This is More Than Conquerors with your Bible teacher, Pastor Ray Hagestilianos. As a teaching pastor for more than 35 years, Pastor Ray's heart and vision is simply to build up God's army, enabling them to stand strong in their faith. As the senior pastor at Living Word Christian Church in White Plains, New York, Pastor Ray will challenge you today to begin your walk in integrity and victory, forever changing your life as transformed by the power of God. More Than Conquerors is supported by the generous gifts of listeners like you. You can find us online by going to livingwordchurch.org. Most Christians know that they serve a God for which nothing is impossible. If you have a need in your life, God has the answer to meet that need. Simply search His holy book where there are thousands of promises, a promise to meet every need, no matter how impossible. But it's not enough to hear the promise, know about it, believe it, or even confess it. You have to put your foot on that promise, claim that promise, and do what it tells you to do until you can reach out in faith and possess it. This practical six-day series entitled, You Have the Right to Claim All the Promises of God, addresses all those Christians who are hearers of the Word, but not doers of the Word, reminding them that you can't be a part-time doer and expect you'll get full-time benefits. So today, be a hearer of the Word, but also one doing something with what you hear. The Bible is a book filled with promises. And there's a promise to cover every single area of your life. God didn't leave any stones unturned. So if you have a need in your life, God has the answer and it's found in this book. It's called the Bible, B-I-B-L-E. Amen? Can I get a better, better amen than that? The challenge that I think um, we, we need to talk about, and this is what I wanted to focus in on for a little bit this morning, is that even though all the promises of God are yes and amen, the question remains, are these promises going to become a reality in your life? Are they, are they going to become tangible? Are they going to manifest in your life? Because just because you know the promise, just because you've heard the promise, just because you even say you believe the promise, or maybe you just say you confess the promise, doesn't mean that the promise is going to become a reality in your life. What is necessary to bring the promise to reality in your life is that you must be a doer of the word. This is what brings down the blessings of God in our life. Now, now, There was a verse, before we get to James, there was a verse in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2. And I'm going to read out the Amplified Bible because I like the way the Amplified says it. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2, Amplified Version, it says, For indeed we have had the glad tidings, gospel of God, proclaimed to us just as truly as they, the Israelites of old, did when the good news of deliverance from bondage came to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them because it was not mixed with faith, with the leaning of the entire personality on God in absolute trust and confidence in his power, wisdom, and goodness by those who heard. So um, here uh, Paul is talking, we believe Paul's a writer of Hebrews, talking about the ancient Israelites who had the promise of the promised land coming out of Egypt, being delivered from the bondages of Egypt, and being led into the promised land. And it says that even though they had the good news of deliverance preached to them, just like you and I have the good news preached to us, 
Every Sunday, every Thursday night, whenever it is, you come to church. You hear the good news of deliverance. It means you can be set free from the, the, you know, the, the dictates of your former life. You can be set free from your bondages. You can be set free from your sicknesses. You can be set free from poverty, lack, want, insufficiency. The good news was preached to them about the deliverance from bondage in Egypt. But it says that the message they heard was of no benefit to them, didn't produce anything... Because they didn't mix the message they heard with faith. So this leads us to believe that even though I may know the promise, I may believe the promise, I may quote the promise, I may, you know, uh, read it uh, regularly. Unless I put my faith into action by doing the word, that word lies dormant and never becomes effective in my life. See, God had required the children of Israel to step to, to, to a step in faith to what he had already promised. And if you remember, we looked a couple weeks ago, we looked at Joshua, and now Moses had taken the children of Israel to one point, and that's as far as he could get them. God says Moses now passed on, and God calls Joshua and said, now you are going to lead these children of Israel into the promised land. But he says, everywhere the sole of your foot shall tread, it will be yours. So we learn from that that even though the promised land was given, it had to be possessed. Even though the promised land was already given to them in the mind and the will and the purpose of God. And that's just like the Bible and every promise that's contained in this Bible. In the mind and the will and the purpose of God, this is already given. It's already yours. It's already mine. We can have anything and everything that God has outlined in this word. When he says prosperity is yours, he means it's yours. When he says that forgiveness is yours, forgiveness is yours. When he says that healing is yours, healing is yours. When he says that deliverance is yours, deliverance is yours. Every promise that's outlined in this Bible is already in the mind and the will of God, yes and amen. Just like he told the children of Israel. He said, take them into the land that I've given you. But he said, everywhere the sole of your foot shall tread, it will be yours. And that word tread, as we looked at, means to subdue or take by authority. To subdue that peace. If you don't put your foot, if you don't subdue the word of God, so to speak, it'll never, you'll never possess it. You have to put your foot on it. You have to stand on it. You have to claim it as your very own. When you approach the word of God for a promise that's outlined, you have to look at it and say, God, in your mind and will, this is already yes and amen. Healing is already yes and amen. Therefore, Father, I thank you that you've already appropriated healing, deliverance, prosperity, whatever it is that you're believing for, that my family would be saved. In your, in your mind and will, this is already a done deal. Now by faith, I stake my claim to it and I stand on this promise, trusting and believing and doing everything that I need to do so that this promise will become a reality in my life. Some of us here, you've been making a mess for the last 40 years of your life. You can't just do this for two weeks and think it should all be gone. You have, to, you have to do it and keep on doing it. So he says, everywhere the soul of your foot shall tread or take possession of, anywhere that you, any promise that you need, want, or desire from God, you have to approach it as if God has already said yes and amen, and that my faith is going to stand there until it becomes a reality in my life. I'm going to declare it, and I'm going to do everything I need to do um, that God requires for me to do to bring that promise to reality. Now, one of the things that you need to take a look at when you're approaching the Word of God is that oftentimes there are promises that are conditional. How many of you know that salvation is, I mean, God's highest desire for all of us? 
How many of you agree with me that salvation is the most important promise because without that, you can't have anything else? So it's already a given, right? But now that promise can stay there and does for anyone who would want to have salvation. It it remains there totally unused, totally untapped. Why? Because there's a condition that's attached to salvation. If you confess with your mouth and believe with your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you would be saved. If you don't confess Jesus and you don't believe in Jesus, even though God would have it that the whole world would be saved, if you don't receive him, you can't have him and salvation is rendered ineffective in your life. You have to initiate it by accepting Christ, by receiving him, by speaking with your mouth and saying with your heart that I believe in you and I receive you and accept you into my life. That's what initiates and brings forth that promise and activates that promise in our lives. If you don't do that, you can't have the promise, even though the promise is there for everybody. And so is it with every other promise from the Word of God. Unless you activate it with your faith by doing what the Word asks you to do, that promise will forever just be inactive. It'll never work. That's why I say with giving, with, with prosperity in every sense of the word. Until you activate it with your giving, until you activate it with your tithing. See, one of the things that I get most concerned with as a pastor, people come and they listen and they hear and they say, you know, yeah, 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 I believe, I believe that, amen, shout hallelujah. But they walk out the door and they don't do anything. They don't do the condition or do the thing that's necessary to activate the promise, to get the promise activated in their life. Sometimes people come to me and say, oh, you know, we're having a hard time financially. And, I, you know, I'm a merciful, kind guy, and I don't like to get on anybody's case. But quite often what I'd like to do is say, let me see your tithing records. Oh, thank you for all those amens. Now, don't let everybody get excited all at once. Let me see how much you gave this year. You know, maybe, maybe the reason why you're having financial trouble is because you haven't done what God has required of you. And all he says is given, it will be given tithe and I will open up the windows of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you'll not have room enough to contain it. And I'll even go further. I'll rebuke the darn devourer that's coming to try to devour your things, your goods, your household, your material, your health. I'll rebuke the devourer for my sake, for your sake. Open up those windows of heaven and pour out on you blessing. And blessing is more than money. Blessing is anything you need when you need it. Sometimes money isn't what you need. Sometimes it's healing. Sometimes it's a deliverance. Sometimes you need help for a family member, a child, a husband, a wife. God says he will pour out a blessing on you. Sometimes you need favor. You need a door to open. Sometimes you need a door to close. You need some people to come into your life. And sometimes you need some people to get out of your life. That's a blessing. God will bring him out of your life. In other words, God will protect and watch over your life because you initiated you initiated the, you acted on the promise. He said the children of Israel, even though the promise was there, they refused. They complained and balked and squawked and blamed God. And even at one point, they, they, they looked at Moses, why did you bring us out in the desert? It'd be better for us to go back to Egypt. Think about it. They were slaves in Egypt making mud bricks, eating nothing. And yet they were complaining to Moses that maybe it would be better because they just wouldn't believe God and just do what God told them to do. Do you realize that you're not going to see, you're not going to see the benefits and what God can do until you start to trust him and do what he requires for you to do? It's easy to squawk and complain, ah, ah, blame, blame the pastor, blame the church, blame this one, blame that one, blame God. Turn around and go back to Egypt. Not me. 
I'm going to walk forward trusting God every step of the way. I may not know where I'm going. I may not, I may not fully understand the pathway that God's got me on. But his word promises me that he'll make the rocky way smooth and the crooked path straight. So I'm just going to keep on walking. And it may be a crooked path, but the minute my little toe gets on that portion of the path, it's going to become smooth and it's going to become straight. Because that's the promise of God. So you can live your whole life knowing the word of God. Some people just don't plain old, don't know the word of God. And, and we've got to teach them. But if your one has been sitting in church listening to the word, but you're not acting on it, you're not doing it, what good is it? You're never going to get anywhere. It's ne- you're never going to see any benefits. All right. So we left off in, in James, and I want to go back to James, and then we'll, we'll go uh, to a couple of other verses. But in James, we talked about in verse 22, James 1, chapter 1, verse 22. And James exhorts here, and he says, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into, I want you to underline that, looks into the perfect law of liberty. Notice it's not the law of bondage. God's word will never put you into bondage. God's word, you do what God asks or requires of you to do in his word. It'll never put you in bondage. It will set you free. He said, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it. Notice the word says continues. You can't be a stop and go Christian. You can't do it today and not do it next week. Let's get this thinking out of our, out of our mind. See, we think we just plug in at any point with God and we just keep on going. No, you can't stop and go. You have to continue in it. Notice the benefit. Notice the benefit. He said, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues, everybody say continues, and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. So the blessing comes in the doing of God's word. Surprise, surprise. So you can sit in church and feel great and hear great men. Oh man, that felt good. Oh man, I was so good. Hallelujah. I feel so good. Walk out the door and never put the word that you heard into operation in your life. Never acting on. So that's why I like to be a practical teacher where I'm giving you information that you can act on. I could sit here and preach really good messages, get you jumping, hooting, hollering, waving your hands and swinging from the chandeliers. But what good is that going to do you when you go out into the real world? I haven't given you anything to do. That's why... That's why, you know, this is not a criticism, it's just an observation. But a lot of, a lot of preachers I see on TV these days, it's, 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 it's making you feel good. You know, don't worry, don't do anything. God's got it all under control. That's not the whole truth. That's not the truth. And this is what bugs me. I listen to it, I say, but that makes you feel good. It, it encourages me, but it doesn't tell me that I have any responsibility in this thing. This, this takes the responsibility out of my hands and says, well, you know, everything is fine. Don't worry about it. God's got everything. In it. And that's not the total truth because I see conditions attached to the promises. I can't tell you about prosperity and tell you everyone's going to do well and everything. Don't worry about it. God's got a job for you. I got to tell you about the part that you have to play. Jesus said, give. Jesus said, give. And it shall be given unto you. Paul said, to sow. He who sows will also, whatever a man sows is what a man will reap. You sow it, you'll reap it. You don't sow it, you don't reap it. And that's not only with regard to money. That's with everything. You want respect, you sow respect. You want love, you sow love. You want forgiveness, you sow forgiveness. 
Sometimes you don't have what you want in your life because you haven't sown it in anybody else. You violated or you didn't act upon the promise of God and therefore that promise is not working for you. Say, I want love. Well, when was the last time? I remember some years ago, this dear soul passed away many years ago. But I remember there was a lady in the church and she, was, she just had the hardest time with, with being social and being friendly. And no matter, you know, as much as people tried to reach out to her, it was never enough. And, you know, she'd walk around with a sad face. And I guess she just had a sad life growing up or whatever. She just never got over it. Three words will save you, keep, keep you free and get you, get you. So you don't have to see a psychiatrist. You have to get over it. Get over it. Three words. Don't forget those three words. It'll save you a lot of money. But I remember she said, she was going around saying, she came to me one day and she said, well, I'm thinking of leaving the church. And I'm like, why do you want to leave the church? She said, well, because there's no love. There's no love in the church. Nobody loves. Nobody reaches out. I just sat there. and I had known in my heart that people did try to reach out. But you know what the problem was? People felt that every time they reached out to her, she was bristly. So I said, I, I looked at her and I said, you know what? I said, let me ask you a question. You say there's no love in the church. I said, well, when was the last time you reached out and loved on somebody else? I remember her looking at me. Forgive me if you're watching from heaven, but I remember her looking at me with the big eyeglasses, the big eyes opened up like, like I must have smacked her across the face. Like, when was, when was the last time you loved on somebody? Bible says if you want something, sow it. That's the promise of the word of God. Whatever a man sows is what a man's going to reap. So if I want love, then I need to sow love. Oftentimes couples will come to me and they'll tell me, well, my husband doesn't give me any respect. That no good, lousy, blankety blank, he never gives me any respect and I can't get any respect and nobody respects me and my husband. Well, sister, dear sister, are you respecting your husband? Are you respecting other people? Whatever a man sows is what a man's going to reap. Whatever you give out is eventually what's going to come back to you. See, that's why I try to be, I try to live the word of God and, and act it and do it because I want the results of it. Jesus said, here, you know, Jesus said, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Now, you see, now you see, some of us, we want to condemn everybody, be hard on everybody, be very, very, you know, very uh, hard on people. And then when, when we're in need of mercy and we don't get it, we're like, oh, no, nobody extends me any mercy. Nobody understands. Well, because maybe you didn't give it out. You're, you're not doing what the word of God says to do. He said, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. So I take that to heart to say, well, God, that means that I need to be a merciful person. Anybody that knows me, works with me, tell you, I'm extremely merciful, maybe to, to a fault, because I let things sometimes go a little too far. But then I believe another principle, which is not the word of God. Give people enough rope and eventually they'll hang themselves. <laughs> That's the other side of it. But you see, the, the, the promises will never become a reality until you act on them. When I found out about that sowing and reaping principle... When I found out that whatever a man sows is what a man is going to reap, I started to look at my life differently. I was very careful about what I was saying about others. If I don't want to be talked about, I better not be talking about others. Sometimes I get around people, you know, and they're, man, you better shut your mouth because what you're giving out is coming back. You better watch the actions of your life. Now I'm getting down a different road here, but this is a road we probably got to go down because somebody needs to hear this today. So, so the promises of God are there for the taking, but you have to activate them. You have to do them, you see. You see, so whatever a man sows, if you take that one promise, and let's just say you don't act on it, you don't, you don't take that promise from the word of God, whatever a man sows is what a man's going to reap. 
and you do negative things. Like you don't, you use the promise, but you use it in a negative way. Eesh. So if you're, if you're, <laughs> if you're chintzy with other people, that's what you sowed. Get ready. Nobody's going to be generous with you. How many of you like to receive? How many like Christmas time with presents and gifts and birthdays? Come on. I'll put both hands up. I'll put my feet up too because I love it. Everybody loves to receive. Right? So, but see, if you're chintzy with people, you're, 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 the principle is working, but it's working against you. So now why not know the promise of God and put it into operation and make it work for you? Instead of against you. See, all the promises, yes and amen, all you got to do is put your faith on it and begin to act on it. And what we just read in, in James, it says you can't just hear the word, but you must be doers of the word. Not just hearers, but do it. Looks into, the, looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, continues in it, continues in it until you get the results that you seek and desire. Don't stop. Give and keep on giving. Love and keep on loving. Forgive and keep on forgiving. Help and keep on helping others. Keep living a godly life and keep on doing it. Don't, don't, don't give up on it, you see. I've seen so many people get started off in their, in their walk with God and they're doing really well and then all of a sudden, you know, stresses come in, pressures come in and they stop. Like I said, you can't be a stop and go Christian and think that you're going to get the benefits. You're not going to get the promises operating and working in your life. See, I got them flowing now in my life to, to a very large degree. I've got, the, I've got them flowing in my life. I'm not stopping now. No time to take a vacation from the Word of God and from the things of God and from my faith. You've got to go and keep on going. Come on, do I get a better amen than that? All right. So he says, again, verse 25, but he looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. All right. So I want to go over now to Luke's Gospel, chapter 6. Let's go to Luke's Gospel, chapter 6. Really important verse, and we'll talk about this for, uh, for the remaining time that we have together this morning. Jesus addresses this um, issue of, of the Word and being a doer of the Word. And in chapter 6 and verse 46, he starts off saying to his disciples, he said, But why do you call me Lord, Lord? And do not do the things which I say. Let's just talk about that for a minute. Now notice he repeated, he said, he didn't just say, why do you say Lord? He said, why do you say Lord, Lord? In other words, why is there so much zeal with you calling me Lord, Lord, but you do not do the things that I say? In other words, you hear, you hear what I'm saying to you. You're hearing my word, but you're not doing it. You're not acting on the word. You see, folks, the idea is that the word, we don't just pick and choose the word and put it into our, our whole life needs to, you know, or the whole word needs to just take over our whole lives. Our lives need to take on the word of God and be shaped by the word of God. And this is what Jesus is trying to teach here. He said, why do you call me Lord, 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 but yet you don't do the things that I say. You're, 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 you recognize me, you recognize me as Lord, you recognize my authority, but you're not taking the word seriously that I speak because if you took it seriously, you would act on it. You would do it. You wouldn't just say, I know it. I hear it. I believe it. 
you would actually do the word. Tune in tomorrow afternoon at 2 for More Than Conquerors with Pastor Ray. If today's message was a blessing to you, ask for your free CD of the broadcast for a gift of any amount to help support this radio ministry. Just mail your request with your check to More Than Conquerors or MTC, P.O. Box 8187, White Plains, New York, 10602. Be sure to include the date of the message you're requesting. If ordering a complete Bible study series, a minimum love offering of $20 is appreciated. Identify the series and include the word series in your order. Before we go, here's a final word from Pastor Ray. Hello, this is Pastor Ray. I wanted to take a moment from today's broadcast to tell you about a brand new book I've written that's just become available for purchase entitled Discouragement, Doubt, and Compromise. I wrote this book because of after more than 37 years of pastoring, I see too many Christians, both newly saved and those mature in their walk with God, fall victim to a device of the enemy that he has been using against God's people ever since the beginning of time. It's simply a threefold plan of discouragement, doubt, and compromise. I know this material will be a tremendous blessing to you in encouraging and stimulating your faith and helping you to truly be more than a conqueror. Why not go to my website right now and order your copy, PastorRayNY.com. Why not order a copy for a friend as well? That's PastorRayNY.com.